don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You want to borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy. Super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ooh, sports. It, it, just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. Well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow, and you've known about it for four weeks, and you haven't started yet? Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey! Hey! Can you please turn that music up? Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. Yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Hmm, vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Alright, today we're going to continue uh, the thought money, money does, does grow, grow on trees. trees. There you go, alright. Well, things dads never say. You saw that video right there. Uh, you know, dads... It could be worse. We could have dad jokes this morning. We're not going to have any dad jokes unless we get into the panel and you never know what's going to happen here. But today, I've asked the staff to join me, the men of the staff. Of course, at Mother's Day, if you remember, we had ladies join me. And this year, we have been using the theme, uh, This Is Us. And we just wanted to open up our lives to you. You know, part of the vision and we believe the responsibility we have here at Destiny Church is we want to speak into the next generation. We want to speak to each other and help mentor, not only just teach and preach, but we also want to have times when we can just open up and share our lives and let you know that we're, we're messed up too. And we, we have struggles too, and we have uh, wins too. And we want to talk about those things and just do it in a very open and candid way where we can speak to each other. Now today we're going to be uh, talking as men and talking to all the guys in the house today. Ladies, you're going to get a kick out of some of this as well. Hopefully you'll take notes as well, pick up a few pointers today. But give these guys a big hand. You appreciate these guys up here. Amen. Now, guys, first question I have for you today is how did your own relationship with your father, whether it's good or bad, how did that uh, affect you as you, your role now as a father? <laughs> I'll jump in. Uh, being the young gun, um, my father, um, I said this in the first service, uh, if you guys were here at the night service uh, of the gathering last year, you knew who my father was. Right. Amen. Yeah, preach it. That's my dad right there. That's me. So you see me jumping around and sweating. That's I get that all from him. And so the reason what I the reason why I'm saying that though is um, 
one of the best things that my father has ever given me is to really learn how to rely on my faith regardless of whatever's going on. I've seen my dad go through a lot of different things. I've seen him, you know, lose very, very good jobs. I've seen him have to move to different places and all that stuff. And with, with all that going on, he never lost his faith. He never, you know, decided, you know, oh, woe is me or life is hard or this or that or kind of going to shell like guys kind of do. No, he was still the first one at church. He was still the first one, you know, praying over us as a family and saying, God's going to provide. God's going to take care of us. God's going to do this and going to do that. And so as it comes to my spiritual life, and I know you guys will talk more about the practical side, um, my father has shown me how to always, always, always never lose my faith no matter what's going on. And that is important and it's shaped me of who I am and has even shaped me of how I lead, you know, others in teaching and worship and everything because I've gotten to see that good example. Right, right. Well, on the other end of the table is the other end of the spectrum. And what I mean by that is my mom and dad divorced whenever I was five. And so I grew up in a house with uh, a mother, you know, without the father. And I'm not saying I didn't know who my dad was because I did. I knew my dad. Uh, but our interaction was very limited. And what I mean by that is, you know how it is if you have uh, a divorced family. You know, I might spend a week in the summer with my dad, birthday visits, you know, Christmas cards, that kind of stuff. But I grew up in a home that was led by a mother and without a father. And so, uh, I mean, I found myself as a kid, like maybe some of you guys and girls growing up, you know, praying, not understanding, but praying that my mom and dad would get married again, you know, thinking that would fix everything. But, but what I really wanted was an example of a father in my life, and I didn't have that. So my, my desire is not to throw my dad under the bus for that. But what that did for me was it helped me to say, hey, you know, I didn't have that father figure in my life. But I want to be the father that I wanted for my kids. So it has, it has caused me to be very devoted to my children. Uh, I'm not saying that I don't ever screw up because I, I do all the time. I mess up. I trip. I, I fall. But there's one thing that I never do, and that is give up. I never quit. I mean, I'm willing to do anything it takes to be a good father. And, and that's, that's one of the foundations of my life is to be a good father. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, one of the things that my dad instilled into me, uh, my dad was a, a – he worked for a, a, the Teamsters. Uh, he was a, a dock hand. He loaded trucks. Um, but he worked overnights, and he he showed me that um, not everything's going to be the way you think it's going to be as far as the perfection part. Right. You know, not, not everyone's going to be able to have the Monday through Friday 9 to 5 job. So he showed me that even when things aren't exactly the way you want it to be, you, you work as unto the Lord, and you do it in such a way uh, that you're happy with, uh, that, that God's happy with what you're doing, but you're happy with what you're doing. And uh, it kind of instilled in me the fact that, you know, it doesn't matter uh, if it's the perfect package and the perfect family kind of thing. Um, but he, he would purposely stay up on Sundays to, to come to church with us. And, and uh, I knew that was hard on him. And, and, but yet, uh, all the way through, I mean, from the, he worked the same profession, the same uh, type of job uh, from the time that, earliest time I can remember until the time he retired. Um, and it was just neat to see that consistency. And it was really cool to have a consistent factor in my life. Mm -hmm. um, for me, this is, um, I lost my father this past year. And so this is the first Father's Day without my dad. And so um, 
you know, whenever it kind of comes like that, you start kind of reflecting on, on some things. And, um, you know, I remember as a teenager, I remember just how much my dad didn't know. <laughs> he, he didn't know anything. I knew way more than he did right. as a teenager. And so, and then as I got a little bit older, all of a sudden he started learning really things really fast. He became a lot smarter. And I think, um, I'm not sure that I certainly didn't appreciate the things that he did for me and for our family um, as much when I was younger as I do now that I have my own family and, and spend time with my kids. And, and I think about, you know, the times that he worked overtime so he can go to my ball game or, you know, so he could coach me in every sport because he wanted to be a part of there and be a part of my life. So um, I think it's, you know, it's one of those things where you want to make sure that you take the time to, to acknowledge and, and let them know how much of an impact they have made on your life. Yep. And I think it's important that, man, you hear the, the importance of that you play such a big role in your family, in your children's lives, whether it's uh, uh, whether you are playing the role of a step-parent or you're just there as a parent. Whatever it is, you're playing such a big role, whether you like it or not. And I think as we were talking, Tom, I was thinking about, you know, it, it's, sometimes it's a negative that sometimes affects us even more than a positive. Either way, it's affecting us and it's shaping us. And so that, that lack of presence has caused you to be intentional about being present in your children's lives. And I know you, you spend a lot of time with your children over the years and have tried to be present. That's one thing I know that you take, not say pride in, but it's been intentional for you. As you say, I want to be present for my kids. If I can coach your team, I'll coach them. Even if it's something I don't really know a lot about, I'm going to step up and volunteer just so I can be there and be present in their lives and be a part of that, that shaping of them. And so I share that thought today, and I'm going to be sharing some thoughts. Sometimes I may say something that's really tough, and I share it out of love today. But I'm going to share it to you and let you know, guys, that if you have, have a, a child and maybe you've gone through a divorce or maybe you're a single dad, uh, your, your children didn't ask for you to get divorced. Right, right. And so don't ever take out a personal relationship with your ex and take it out on your children. Your children should always be a top priority no matter what. And even if you're not getting along with their mom and you do the best you can to get along, and it's hard. I know some situations are really, really difficult, and some people are really, really difficult to work with. But even if that's not possible, you should never let that be an excuse to be absent out of your child's lives, that you do as much as possible, as much as the court will allow you, whatever, you make sure you're there and be, be present in their life because you're shaping them and their view about fatherhood, their view about their parents, I mean about their children, all that's going to be shaped as they watch how you handle and navigate through this season of being their father. So don't let that be an excuse. I, I will pop you upside your spiritual head right now. All right, man, all right? Be present, be present, okay? I don't care. Don't, don't let anything be an excuse. Be present there. Let's talk about other men in your life. Is there other men in your life who shaped you, who, who wasn't maybe a father? Maybe he was a father figure. Maybe he was a coach. Maybe he was a teacher. Somebody else, an uncle, somebody who shaped you and influenced you. Maybe he was a good, a good friend, a mentor in your life. Anybody else that maybe had a role model in your life to help you become a father you are? Yeah, so... Um that that was kind of that's kind of what I did. I, I found a man. Actually, he's not much older than I am, and I found a man that I admired and that had what appeared to be fruit of the spirit in his life, and, and it was indeed fruit of the spirit. And so I just I began. Now this didn't happen until I became a young man. I mean, there was a lot of years between 
you know, like I said, when my mom and dad divorced and when this happened. And, and I got to tell you, without a man in your life, uh, there is room to wander and there's room to make wrong decisions. And so this is a little bit off topic, but I want to tell you men, I don't care how old you are. I'm not talking about age. If you don't have a man in your life that you can look to uh, for wisdom and leadership, you should find one. Uh, You should find one. Uh, If that's me, I'm willing. Uh, These men are willing. Pastor Gene is willing. There's other men in this church because we need that mentorship. And so what I did was I found a man uh, that God, I really felt like, brought into my life. And, And we've been friends for well over 30 years now. And so the 30 years of my life previous to today were influenced greatly by this guy. And I learned the more I got to know him, uh, that he wasn't perfect. He still made mistakes. He still did things that weren't right. He did things that I don't agree with. But yet, at the core was his uh, commitment to his family, his commitment to the church, his commitment to God, his father. And so I learned a lot about that. And so those things that I missed in those early years of my life growing up, Praise God, and and thankfully for my wife and family, that I did come in contact with this man that was a godly man, and he's had a huge influence on my life and still does today, and and other men do too, but but that's one that I can definitely point to for well over 30 years that has has had an influence, a positive influence in my life. I've had two. I've had uh, probably the the first one at an earlier age was uh, Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Oh, yeah, brother. No, it, yeah, exactly. He embodied, you know, uh, just the cool and, you know, so he affected. I mean, I wanted to be him when I grew up. Um, what kinda, happened? Kinda Please leave your shirt on today. Kind of went the other way, didn't there? Kind of went the other way there, didn't I? Um, no, I, and, and of course, uh, honestly, the guy, probably the guy that really poured the most into me was my youth pastor. Um, we were fortunate enough to have a youth pastor that, um, broke social norms in the sense of uh, he was our youth pastor at church for over 15 years um, which is kind of crazy because I know from experience that's a long time with teenagers Um, and so it was just one of those things to have that form of consistency uh, through uh, through our our, because we we had went through a period where it seemed like every person that came in to be our youth pastor was just waiting to become a pastor of a church and so you'd have a, a guy come in for a year, uh, sometimes as, as short as six months until a pastoral role opened up. Uh, but when Brian and his family showed up, they, uh, not you, a different Brian, um, they, they had a different view on, on youth ministry. And it worked out to where uh, Jen and I both not only had a chance to uh, be poured in by their ministry, but serve alongside them. Um, and then even now, um, they are one of our great friends that we still contact with. And so he's probably one of the ones that have kind of shaped me outside of my dad to uh, kind of be the guy who I am today. I had a, you know, there's quite a few different influences that I had that um, that I could kind of lean on. So it'd be kind of hard to pick just one. But I think one of the things that my dad did that was that was that he did well was he understood that that he doesn't know it all. And he wanted to help surround me with people uh, who I would be able to lean on and, and get information from and learn and grow and, and uh, to learn more about my eventual professional life and that kind of stuff. But, but uh, you know, I think him making wise choices with who he let me hang around with, mm-hmm. um, I think that that was a big important part in, in my youth. Yeah, I think that, you know... Uh, 
I look back over the guys, and I can speak for TJ, past TJ as well, because he was involved in a lot of with a lot of coaches, and I think that you know a lot of coaches spoke. I was thinking how I was raised with the. Uh, I went to a private school early on in my life, and uh, I think there was like from first grade to senior in high school, it was like 120 kids in the whole school, and they were all together. And so you can imagine having kids that are first, second, third grade with junior hires and high schoolers that your self-esteem is not there and and of course you're, you're intimidated and so I, I remember having that coach speak to me and just saying I know who you are when I walked up to sign up and I, said, I know who you are and I got a position waiting just for you and he made me thought I was so tough he was like BB this kid's so tough he can chew nails and spit them out he can run through a brick wall and you know and just built so much confidence in me early on I never had that confidence, had someone that's really speaking to me. And so, guys, don't, don't discount that, that you're speaking confidence to your young men. You're speaking confidence to the women that you're speaking to. And don't think that. I remember I had a, a, a guy I used to coach who wasn't that great. And uh, I was always just like, man, you got a lot of potential. I wish you know, and I always speak to him positive things. And he quit football for a couple of years. And then last year, I saw him at one of the games. And he came up to me. He had tears in his eyes. He was going into eighth grade. And he said, Coach, still calls me coach, you know, can, can I talk to you? And the guy had tears in his eyes, and he's like, I just want you to be the first one to know. I'm going out for eighth grade football. <laughs> I was just like, you know, inside I was like, wanted to crack up. It's kind of comical, but he was teared up because, you know, it was so important to him that I knew that, you know. And I thought, well, you don't just never know who you're speaking to, and you never know. So I encourage you, when you have a chance to coach and to mentor, to volunteer, be involved because you're shaping young men and young women. And uh, Brian, you know, as, as a principal more than anybody else probably in this room, you see so many kids coming in and out. You know, teachers and volunteers and coaches can have such a big, big influence in shaping the culture of young men and young women who maybe don't, are not getting it at home or are coming from single parents' homes where the mom's trying to raise them on their own and is working two jobs and they're not always getting enough positive reinforcement and so i think we have to be very very intentional at speaking that out whether it's your stepchild or whether it's a, a niece or a nephew or a team you're coaching value that your words that you're calling forth that positive thing out of the next generation because you're helping shaping the next men and women uh let's talk about pastor jimmy i'll have you answer this question first because i think you speak to the, to the newest with this you know when you go from having no kids to having kids now let's be honest I can be honest, and I'll, we'll be the first ones to admit it up here. Now, ladies, we don't need you to point it out to us. Right. But guys can be a little selfish, all right? All right. We can, be, we can be a little selfish when it comes to, you know, we value our time and our space, our hobbies, our things. And we can be a little selfish, okay? And uh, sometimes it takes us a little longer to get into the groove of being a father and to being, being the, the leader of the home we need to be. So how do we, how do, we do that? How do you make the switch? From not having any kids, you know, especially when you're first married, it's like, it's the best of both worlds. Well, I'm enjoying the married life, but yet I can still come and go as I want and do my thing. And now, all of a sudden, i got to be present more. i got to be there more. i got to share the responsibility more, which means I'm dying to myself. How do you make that transition? Yeah, uh, it's it's hard, number one. <laughs> it's, I'm still learning. Uh, if you guys don't know my daughter, she's only, you know, a year and, and, and three months, and uh it's one of those things that I've just had to learn to get past my selfishness, number one, which is hard for a guy. Let's just be honest. It's hard to do that. 
um, and be willing to, you know, make changes and be willing to, you know, get up and help my wife out now a little bit more than even I did before we didn't have anybody. You know, before we had Gia, you know, it was just, hey, you know, I'll get to the dishes maybe here or there or something like that. If I don't do that now, all hell's going to break loose right, in the house. Right. And so <laughs> don't nobody want that. Um, and so and it takes it takes adjustment and you got to be willing to, you know, adjust. Hey, maybe you don't get to. You know, watch the whole game like you wanted right. to because you're put. But you can be creative. Let me, I didn't get to say this first service. I'm a creative guy. So right. if you got a problem like this, this is what you do. You want to watch the game? Uh, there, I remember my wife and I. We agreed that every night I put Gia, to, I put Gia to bed. She takes care of her all day. Then I put her to bed. It's my time, our time to bond with her. But man, there was a really important game that night I wanted to watch. Right. So what come on, better preach. Come on, you know. So what I did, I got creative. I got my iPad out. Right. I set it up in front of the TV. Right. I FaceTimed my cell phone. And so while I'm putting her to sleep, I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> so I mean, you just gotta learn to adjust, and you gotta try and do it. But good. so you guys are welcome for that. Yeah, you know, quote me on that. But um, so it just you have to be willing. To, you got to be willing, number one, to, to make the changes and understand how important your presence is to your child and to your spouse as well. And it's a big adjustment. I think we need to take up an offering and buy Pastor TJ a DVR. Come I think it would be a good thing. Come on, guys. Come on. One, change man, change your life. There's nothing like seeing it live. So, you know, gotta do she, she was all right. She's all right. right. Isn't it so hard? I mean, guys, you know, we, we, you know we, we, we have our hobbies and, you know, all of a sudden we're supposed to be a father. But yet we don't, you know, I don't, most guys don't grow up saying, I can't wait to be a father. Now girls grow up playing with Barbies, having, having uh, dolls, and they, they play after getting married, and then they always have a stroller and a kid, I mean a baby doll. And so women grow up idolizing, wanting to be a mother, but very few men do I know that grow up say, I can't wait to be a dad. I mean, it just doesn't happen when they grow up, and then all of a sudden it happens, and then ready or not, here we are, and we're trying to make this adjustment to dying to self and yet being there for our kids without totally dying to ourselves at the same time without losing ourselves. I mean, it's a big balance, especially when you're used to playing golf every day, Brian. I mean, come on. It, I tell you what, when we first had kids, and it, it sucked. Um, you know? Real talk right there. Okay. You know, I used to be like a big deal in our house. And it was like, oh, babe, what can I do? For you? Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, this is king, man. I'm digging this. Then. Stretch your hand to sway. Then this tiny little thing comes to my house, and all of a sudden, bye, Felicia. So it's like, I become, you know, I got to go get this and got to go do that and do this. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, this wasn't, I didn't realize this was kind of, I thought it was just going to be someone to play with. Right. And then it just, like, lays there, doesn't even do anything. Um, Don't so, even help clean up. Right. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't do anything. Now I got a whole thing. So it was a tough transition, I think, for any guy, you know, who, you know, like, like Pastor Gene said, we don't grow up going, Oh yeah, I can't wait to hold my baby. Right. And we don't, we don't grow up like that. We grow up wanting to play a sport and wanting to tackle somebody or something, right. you know, and, and then you, you have this, this change in your life and, and it's hard. You got to kind of be all soft and sensitive and you got to whisper and you got to, <laughs> you got to like, you got to sing songs that, you know, and, and all this stuff. And it's, 
it's man. really a tough transition, you know, but, but you know, all that aside, you know, it, it is, you know, one of the most amazing things, obviously, and, um, you know, before we got married, though, I had, I had three, three theories about raising kids, and, and now I have three kids, and I have no theories. <laughs> I can remember, um, there's a scene in uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the one with Jim Carrey as the Grinch, and he's like, he's looking at himself, and he's like, why am I leaking? And he's crying because he's so emotional. When we first had, when, when Avery was born, I could not stop crying. Yeah. I don't know what happened. It was just that emotion that came over me. Yeah. And then, then reality hit when we put the thing in the back seat. And I'm like, <laughs> the thing. How, does, right. how does that buckle go there? And wh- <laughs> where does the kid go? And it was just all of this reality kind of hit at once. And of course, with Baylor, I was like, "Oh, we've done this before. It's fine, you know, whatever." And I just throw him in the trunk. And, and you know, so, and so, but it was like, and for those of you that have more than one, the first one is like, you buy the best this and the best that, and you're you're trying everything you can. And then by the second one, you're like, "Okay, that didn't work with that one." So, we Avery has been the perfect guinea pig for us. But the the thing the thing that we the thing that I walked away with is it really does come down to I had to ask myself, well, why why was I so what, what was the what was the co- the factor behind my selfishness? And it was actually fear. I was more afraid of screwing this thing up uh, than I was uh, of anything else. And so I I kind of have that thing where you just kind of pull everything into yourself, and you're like, as long as I can control it, everything's okay. Uh, and then I realized I couldn't control Avery, and I couldn't control Baylor. And so uh, uh, I mean, Jen and I we've been married for 15 years, and I'm still just now getting to this place where. The, the play in my head is I start to think, okay, if I choose this, it's not going to be beneficial for my family. But if I choose this, this will be the what's benefit for my family. And then there's sometimes you just got to pull over and say, you know what? I'm making the decision. I'm choosing. I'm, I'm going to choose to put my kids first, my family first. And then, it, like I said, it's one of those daily, God, kill my flesh, yeah. kill, kill my selfishness, yeah. right. and, and understand I had to make a choice that, I want to be a good father. I don't want to just be a dad um, because sometimes it's easy to be a dad, but sometimes it's a lot harder to be a father. And so I want, I've, I've been asking myself, what can I do to be a better father? And that was just making that choice and asking myself that question. I think the first child comes along, you cry when it's first born because it's like the most beautiful thing you've ever experienced. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't ready for this, so I'm leaky, and you cry. And then when the second one's born, you cry because you're like, oh, no, oh, no not again. <laughs> no more sleep. <laughs> Just, I don't know. So, you know, we have a gamut of emotions. I think what you're hearing here is a theme. You know, if guys are here asking, how do, how do I be a father? It's be present. Be present. Don't, don't let any excuses come from allowing you. and You, you die to yourself. And to a certain extent, you do. And that's why the scripture talks about husbands love your wife as Christ loves the church. You know, how did Christ love us? He died for us. You know, and that's the same way we're called to serve not only our wives, but our children as well. You know, it's, it's a season when they have to get on their own two feet. But there comes a season when you're sacrificing and you're, you're helping die to yourself. doesn't mean you don't ever need some guy time. You, we need that. We need times when we can go out and go fishing. We can go out to the ball game. Or we can just go do our thing that we want to do. But, you know, you can't lose that. But it, you can't be, all right, I, gotta have, I had a tough week of work. So, you know, I'm going to be gone all weekend, every weekend. Because I worked all week. And, you know, you got the kids. No. It, it's jumping in together. Raising them together. You know, and be present. Like I said, guys, be present. Don't let anything 
stop you from being present in your kids' lives. They need that so, so much. Well, why do you think society puts more emphasis on mothers more than fathers? I think it's kind of, whether it's Mother's Day, I mean, Mother's Day is really big, and Father's Day, it's okay, you know, but, you know, Mother's Day really is big, and not just that, but even society as a whole, I think, puts more value on moms and mothers than they do men. Why do you think that is? Well, let's just say it. <laughs> They're more important. No. Um, <laughs> seriously, they, you do, they do so much. Um, and so if you look at just the actual the chemis- chemistry of men and women, there's such a difference in how we're made. In fact, when a, a baby's first born, they're purposely designed by God to look like the father so the father will actually have some kind of connection with the baby. <laughs> because otherwise, it's like, okay, there you go, bye. You know, I'm going to go kill dinner. You know, that, so looking at how that makeup is, it is it's easier, I think, um, to, to, um, to amplify the role a mother plays. Um, but it, it's also one of those things where you know, it could just be a cultural thing, too, uh, in the sense of we need to understand the actual role of a good father in a child's life. And um, maybe, you know, it's probably easier to, to know, uh, to have a connection with your mother just because of that maternal uh, instinct. And it may not be as easy to have a connection with your father. So it's a little bit harder uh, to celebrate that type of thing. So, I, I mean, that's just kind of my opinion. Yeah, I was, I was actually going to preface what I'm going to say by this is my opinion, okay? So this is my opinion. <laughs> I, I think that my opinion is that possibly because of failure. And what I mean by that is there are so many, and it doesn't matter if it's in the church or not in the church, there are failed relationships. And failed rela- relationships lead to, obviously, failed opportunities to father. Um, what I mean by that is a lot of times, as, as in my case growing up, whenever the marriage failed, I lived with my mother. Okay, So I was raised by my mother. So what happens is that failure, you know, which happens a lot, what, what happened, and I know that Pastor Gene, you'll probably uh, speak to this, but there is resentment that happens when there is failure. Uh, for one... I grew up in a home where my mom and my dad, I, I think they probably hated each other. I'm pretty sure they did. Uh, and I heard about it. And what I mean by that is my mom would say, oh, your dad this, your dad that. And so he kind of got a bad rap. I mean, maybe that was true, maybe that wasn't true. But what I got was a head full of your dad this, your dad that, he never this, and he never that. And so what happens is if the dad, in my case, he probably thought that woman is wicked and I have, you know, I want nothing to do with him. That doesn't necessarily mean he didn't want anything to do with me and my brother. It means that that failed relationship put a pressure on both of them. And my father, I think he would, I mean, honestly, I think he was afraid to be a father. I think he was afraid to be a dad because he just wanted to get away from the whole situation. And I think that failure, I mean, it, I mean, I just see it. I see it in lives of people today where there's failed relationships. And I'm telling you, uh, my wife and I have a, a great marriage. But if, if our marriage failed for some reason, you know, if it did, I would do everything I could to try to still be a father to my children. So I just want to encourage you guys with that. I, I think failure of fatherhood, I mean, it's, it's a byproduct of, 
of our. I mean, you can blame your spouse for feeling bad. You can't blame. Right. You can't blame your spouse for not being a good father. Right. And that's where we have to own that, guys. We, we've got to be present. We've right. got to be present. And I think some of the things we talk about, maybe for some of the guys in here, because you're right there at Pastor Tom, you relate. Your dad was not present in your life. Maybe your parents divorced and he was not there and you, he promised he was going to come. But he didn't show up and all those things that happened. And, and so you've had a gamut of emotions growing up uh, against your father. And my thing is, as a Christian, that how do we get past that is we just simply say, you know, that person, my, my dad was a product of his raising, a product of his environment. You know, and so who, who knows what he faced from his family, you know, and maybe he didn't have anybody setting that example. So your job now is to not to repeat that, but to set a different pattern for your family. You set a different example for your family. All right. That didn't work. Look what it did for me. It really, it really damaged me growing up. It really damaged my self value some things I had to do. So I'm, I'm really now working hard to reverse that in my family and set forth a good example. Even if their mom and I are not getting along, I'm still going to be present in their life and do my best to be present in their life and be a positive, a positive reinforcement as a father in their life. Uh, let me ask you guys this. Discipline's a big one here. You know, uh, that's always a big thing because it seems like dads always get the role, you know, if, if there's both involved. You know, wait till your father gets home. Wait till your father gets home. I'm like, for once, moms, can you just discipline and let dad come home? I, want, I, live, I live for the day when I get home. My kids are like, Thank God you're here. Mom's been so hard on us all day. Yes, Dad's here. But instead, it's usually the opposite, you know. You know, what your dad gets home, you know. So let's talk about dads. Let's talk about discipline. How do you balance discipline and love? What's it look like for you? All right. Um, <laughs> so I think, well, a couple of things. Just a couple of thoughts here on this. You know, um, our I think our generation, our fathers. Um, for a lot of us out here, our dads were very, very firm. Um, you know, if you got in trouble at school, you got in trouble at home. Right. And that meant a whooping. Um, you know, my dad would take the belt and say, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And, and that's Lies Lies not, I'm like, that is, <laughs> nah. Um, you know, those were, those, and I think sometimes our generation, we have to be careful not to swing too far the other direction. And to be too soft on our kids. I mean, I think when it comes to discipline, I've worked with a lot of kids through schools and, and worked with a lot of parents. And so I've seen, seen really great results from parenting and, and not so great results from parenting. But I can tell you that the, the two keys that I feel like are, are really important is number one is to be present, which is what Pastor James has been talking about. And the other one is just being consistent. If you say you're going to do it, you need to back it up. Now, that doesn't mean say something that you can't back up also. So don't make threats that you can't actually follow through with. But when you say something, back it up. Right, wrong, or indifferent, you're going to teach your kids that being consistent is important and that you have certain values that you stand for and that you're not going to allow certain things to go a certain way. Um, I also learned don't raise your hand to your kid because it opens up the crotch area and it's, <laughs> it makes... It's not a very good technique, so you want to make sure that's just a joke. So. First service like that one better. Than you. you guys are rough. Uh, one of the things that we do is we, we really try, Jen and I, we try our hardest to, to parent as a team. Uh, so, for example, um, we live in a house where there's an assistant principal uh, there all the time. And she is... Not only does she handle discipline at school, 
uh, but she's very good at handling discipline at the house, uh, even in myself. So, um, <laughs> true story. True story. So, so with that, um, there's times that she'll actually tell me, "Look, you need to back me up on this," or she'll even say, "Hey, you're going to take this one." And but one of the things that we do, it doesn't matter who of our family uh, disciplines our kids. We we know that um, we we do our very best to explain why we're disciplining them. Um, it's hard sometimes, uh, you know, when you come running across the playground because your daughter's got your kid's face in the sand and doing this with it. You, sometimes you can't explain why you're about to just knock her off and say, don't do that. So there's, there's times that you, you really want to kind of explain yourself, uh, definitely explain yourself. But one of the things that we love to do is we love to make sure that um, – at those times after the discipline is over, it's not like I don't go into the bedroom and discipline and then walk away and never say another word about it. I want to make sure I give them a couple of minutes to kind of understand what's going on. And then I go back and I say, do you understand why what happened? And then I make sure I hug and I love and I kiss on them to let them know that I'm loving them through discipline. Um, and of course, some of the things that we try to do every evening too is we make sure that we uh, we, we just spend a little bit of personal time one-on-one with each of the kids before we put them to bed, just showing them how much we love them. And it's different. I mean, uh, if you're familiar with the five love languages, um, your kids have love languages. Um, Baylor's is toys. I mean, right now, you buy him anything, and he will love you forever. Um, Avery likes quality time. And so we, we try to find ways to where we're showing them that we love them. Um, even in the midst of a discipline t- action or uh, uh, one of those things. So it's, it, it really is trying to find what balance works for you and your kids. So as I mentioned earlier, I was raised in a house primarily by a mother. And so, uh, and believe it or not, I was kind of an ornery kid. And so uh, my mom would spank me with whatever. I mean, it was a hairbrush. Uh, I would get whipped with a hairbrush. I'd get whipped with a fly swatter, a piece of racetrack. I mean, that woman was out to make me mind, you know. So, and, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not dissing her for that, but I really didn't have a good picture of what discipline looked like growing up. I mean, I, like I said, I was kind of a rowdy kid and, uh, and deserved a lot of discipline. Um, but so, so what we would do, we would look at people in the church and we would try to learn from them and how they would discipline their children. And not everybody does it right. Not everybody does it wrong. But what we did was our, our first couple of kids, they were kind of like practice dummies. You know, they were kind of like the guinea pig. And I mean, we would just whip them like a racehorse. You know what I mean? We, I mean, we gave them kids dancing lessons every night. Because really what we wanted them to do was mind, right? And so... So what I've learned, I mean, uh, we've been parents for a long time now. Our oldest child is 26, and our youngest is 16, and so we've been at this a while. And, and actually, I just, I just heard this on the radio a couple of days ago, so I don't want to take credit for this myself. But the thing that I've learned about discipline is that discipline should be... Uh, okay, so for this as an example, our Heavenly Father is a perfect Father, right? He, he disciplines us in a perfect way. But we're still imperfect children. And so in the same way, when I'm disciplining my children, I'm not a perfect father. And my, my children are not perfect people. And so it's, it's not going to be perfect. But the thing that I've learned the difference, when I was first disciplining, uh, disciplining my kids, you know, whipping them like a racehorse, the reason was is because I wanted them to mind. Yeah. I wanted them to mind. 
But the reason that I discipline now is because I want them to learn what's best for them. And that's the way our Heavenly Father disciplines us. He doesn't, he doesn't whip us. He doesn't discipline us because He wants us to mind. That's not what Jesus revealed about the Father. Right. He revealed the Father's heart. And He did nothing and said nothing except for what He saw His Father do and what He heard His Father say. And His, his heart is that we would do what is best for us, not just so that we would mind. I think that's good. You know, I think it's very clear in the Scripture. The Scripture backs us up when it says that if you love your children, you will discipline them. Right. <clears throat> I think one of the things we see, because our generation was disciplined pretty heavy, right. sometimes we make the mistake of, all right, I don't want to discipline my kids that heavy. Right. But yet, there's got to be balance. And you've got to know, like you're saying there, that if I love my children, I'm going to discipline them. Right. Out of love, yeah. not out of anger, but out of love. And right. it's important we do that. I'm not called just to be their best friend. You know, you said that earlier, I think, in the first service, Brian, that, you know, I'm not supposed to be their best friend. they got plenty of friends right. to be the best friend. I'm called to guide them, to lead them, to discipline them when they need it, and to help shape them into becoming men and women that they need to be. Um, you know, and I've had parents come to me and say, I don't know how to discipline my, my kid. I don't know how. I just, they're, they're too big for me to discipline. They won't obey me. And I look around like, where'd they get them $150 pair of shoes at? Right. <laughs> they're carrying a $500 cell phone in their hand. Right. You know, and who's paying that plan every month? You know, right. the things we have, you know, you, you can be creative, okay? Remember that, you know, without respect that, you know, when you privilege comes respect. And if they can't respect the home, and make sure you're on the same page when it comes to discipline right. parents. Mm-hmm. The worst thing possible is is a mom have one set of rules and, and the dad have a different set of rules. Especially when you're living together, that's the most important thing. And if you can't come to agreement, I mean, if you can't come see eye to eye, then you meet in the middle, compromise. But you've got to have the same values set, preset. Otherwise, your kids will read it, sniff it out, and they will play you like a fiddle. I'm telling you, they will play you, and they will work you down and wear you down because he lets them do it and she doesn't, or she lets them do it and he doesn't. And next thing you know, you're fighting, there's turmoil in the home. So prearrange, this is the rules of our home. This is the actions that follow if you don't follow those rules. And your mom and I are on the same agreement, and that will help discipline flow out of love and also out of structure that's going to bring the best out of our children. Let me ask you uh, one more question, and then we'll, we'll close it right here. What advice would you give any, any father, any man in the house about being the spiritual leader in their home? Uh, Pastor Teacher, why don't you kick us off here? About how, if you've never been a spiritual leader, what's that look like? Because you know, we hear that term a lot, but it's not always defined. In your opinion, what, what do you think being yeah. a spiritual leader looks like? In my opinion, I mean, what it looks like is, is you know, like we keep saying, you know, being present, number one. And like I told you, how my life has been shaped is always, especially as the male figure, you know, don't let your faith waver. You know, you may lose your job. You may get into, you. excuse me, you will get into fights with your spouses and your children will act crazy and all those different things. But you have to stand up and take a standard and say, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on in our home. As for me and our house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're still going to be a church. We're still going to, you know, do this and do that. We're still going to have things in order, even though it may be chaotic at home. And it is so, and I say this respectfully to all the women and all the, the mothers out there, um, but it is so important. Men, I'm talking to us. I'm not telling you to be like me. I'm not telling you to be like Pastor Gene, Pastor Joe, Pastor Brian, Pastor Tom, any of us up here that you see leading. But there is something that is just different mm-hmm. and special when your children see you worship. Right. Totally different than when they see mom worshiping and, and, and crying out. Because, you know, we see the women as 
usually the more emotional ones and the ones that get in touch with that really fast. But it is something different when you step out of your comfort zone as a man and say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to worship God. You know, I'm going to step out of my seat. I'm going to lift my hand. I'm going to do something different because why is that so important? Because the, our children, the first exposure to a father that they see is us. Right. And we want them to show the, we want ourselves to show them the love of the father and how can we not do how can we do that if we're not going wholeheartedly and so it's so important so so important men to step out of your comfort zone and be that that one that's saying you know i'm not gonna let my wife lead in this area i mean that's cool and i'm glad about that but what would happen if not this church was just packed out with women that were passionately worshiping what if it happened if men were just passionately worshiping god and stepping out and saying you know we're going to take this our faith and be bold and courageous and say we love god just as much as anybody else i think it would change the complete culture of our church and our homes great that's great you guys appreciate these guys all their openness here and words of wisdom good big hand thank you let's stand on our feet I want to invite all the, all the men in the house who want to join me. Would you guys step out of your seat? I don't care if you're a father or not a father. If you're, if you're a guy, I invite you just to join me around the front today. We want to pray for you before we leave. And just believe in God's best for you as you lead your home, as you lead this community, as you lead your children, as you lead those around you. Come on, ladies. Give these guys a big hand clap as they walk down here today. Make room, guys. Come on in around here. We're going to close out this song. As we do, we're just going to come by and just say a prayer over you today. The staff and some of the leaders are going to join me as we just pray for you today. Say, God, I'm ready to be the man. Some of you here, a lot of this resonated with you because you didn't have a good role model growing up. You didn't have a good father growing up. But, you know, you're changing that. You're you're starting new traditions. Some of you here, you're having to fight through to be present in your kids' lives because it's not easy. The relationship with your ex is not easy. It's really, really tough. But today you're saying, all right i got to put that aside, and i got to push to be the best father I can be. Some of you here, you need to be a stronger spiritual leader. Whatever it is today that God spoke to you, say, God, I'm committing this to you today. I'm committed to changing. Come on. Can you just do me a favor? Can you just 
touch a shoulder next to you there. Just touch a guy on the shoulder next to you. You know, women, no disrespect, but you'll never understand the pressure that some of these men face, a lot of these guys face. It's a lot of pressure. Being a father, being in charge of a home, a lot of things we deal with. And you guys have the same pressures in different ways, but there's a lot of pressures men face that we just can't understand. Today, sometimes it's just good to pray for each other. So as I pray for you, just, just speak encouragement as well to your brother next to your Father, well, I thank you for men up here, Lord, who are making godly changes in their life. None of them are perfect. I'm not perfect. They're not perfect. But, God, we serve a perfect Father. And, God, you're starting new traditions. And, God, you're allowing them to have a new season of speaking over their children, to be present in their children's lives. God, we're not going to repeat the past. We're not going to repeat the past mistakes that we've seen, but God, we're starting new traditions. So right now, I call off men and call out men who will lead children, lead families, lead their community, and with a God-given destiny, that God, we're going to follow after you. God, I just speak over them today, God. That God, you use them. God, you use them to lead and to be there for their children. And God, I just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in their life. And we say amen and amen. Come on, give God a hand clap. Amen. proud of you guys. Proud of you guys. And some of you are starting new traditions. Learn. If you, if you need some more guidance, I can tell you there's just people around you, standing next to you. Some of the, the ones you saw on stage today, we'd love to speak with you and help you. You know what we can? Just say, hey man, can I get together for lunch or breakfast or a cup of coffee and just pick your brain on how I can be a better father? We'd love, love to do that with you. God bless you. You guys enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great rest of your weekend. We love you guys.